So the reading can be found on page 169 of the Church Bibles. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. But to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you after he said, The Lord your God will give you rest by giving you this land. Your wives, your children, and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan. But all your fighting men, ready for battle, must cross over ahead of your fellow Israelites. You are to help them until the Lord gives them rest, as he has done for you, and until they too have taken possession of the land the Lord your God is giving them. After that, you may go back and occupy your own land, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you east of the Jordan toward the sunrise. Then they answered Joshua, Whatever you have commanded, us we will do, and wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it, whatever you may command them will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. And I pray as we come to God's word. We thank you again, our Father, that you have spoken and that you continue to speak through the scriptures. So we thank you that we've heard you speak as Alex read them for us. 
You, I pray that you'll help me to explain them well and accurately so we will hear you speak there also. Thank you for your graciousness that you have not left us alone but you have given us your spirit and your word. We thank you for that and thank you for this morning. Amen. Uh, in the times that I've preached, um, I often get emotional. So it's no surprise to you that I'm an emotional person. Uh, many things can make me feel emotional. Uh, my kids will laugh because my face will be contorted in some way and they'll say, here he goes again. Uh, ads can make me emotional. but especially movies. And there was a movie we watched a couple of years ago called The King's Speech. It was a movie about uh, Prince Albert, the Duke of York, who took the name King George VI when he assumed the British throne in 1936. Albert, as was portrayed in the movie, didn't want to be king. His brother was king. His brother was popular and charismatic. Albert was shy and he had a stutter. And yet he was thrust into the role that he was because his brother abdicated. But it was during... King George VI's reign that World War II broke out. A reluctant leader, and yet, despite his self-effacing, he became a symbol of courage and fortitude for the nation. Reluctant, afraid, and yet was what the people of England needed at that time. The book of Joshua begins a new series today and we find another reluctant leader, someone who did not want to be thrust into the role that he was. The book of Joshua follows the first five books of the Bible in which Moses recorded the beginnings of God's people Early in Genesis, in Genesis chapter 12, we find that God called Abraham and gave him three promises. Promises relating to a land, to becoming a great nation, and to being blessed and being a blessing to all peoples of the earth. Well, in those first five books of the Bible, all different types of genres... And yet, these promises that God gave to Abraham are worked out. And we see the progress of the promises, but we also see threats to the promises through these five books. The book of Exodus obviously talks about the exodus out of Egypt, and hence began their journey to the promised land, the land that was promised to Abraham. And as the book of Joshua begins, Israel is on the verge of entering into this promised land. 
It was a land something like 550 years before that God had promised. 550 years of looking forward and now it was just across the river. In fact, they'd been there before. 38 years they'd been in the same place. But failure to trust in God and his faithfulness resulted in decades of wandering. But now they're here again. And it's at this point we read at the end of Deuteronomy, the book before Joshua, that Moses died. I wonder how you would feel if you were Joshua. For here is Moses, the one who had been there for so many years, the one who confronted Pharaoh, the one who led people through the Red Sea, the one who was with them all through those years of wanderings. Moses was without equal. He was the one that went up the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments. He was the one who interceded for the people when they complained against God. And yet now this one to whom all Israel looked is dead. The book of Joshua begins. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I'm about to give them. Here is this reluctant leader thrust into a position of leadership. And yet we must be clear, the book of Joshua is not about Joshua. The book of Joshua is about God and who God is. For it's God who will faithfully confirm and keep his promises. As the people stood at the Jordan River, the, the land in view, we read in verses 2 to 5, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, or the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. God had led Abraham. God had been with Moses. God would lead and be with Joshua. It's a book all about God. So God will be faithful. When I was studying at Morning College, uh, as you know, Angie and I were in the same years. I was, uh, I was serving at a church. Well, I was part of a church and then I became part of a, a pastoral team. But at the time, the guy who was the pastor didn't think I was suitable for pastoral ministry. 
I'd resigned from nursing. I used to work at Southern Hospital as a registered nurse. And Elizabeth and I trusted God. And going to college was a means of being equipped and maybe for God to open up the doors for us. We had wondered about missions, but the future was not clear. And so when this pastor told me what he thought and that I wasn't suitable for pastoral ministry, it threw me into confusion. For I wasn't like other ministers. I wasn't visionary and strong. I was quiet. I was unassuming. I was unsure. And we decided the best thing would be to leave the church And while, while my future was up in the air, we went to another church where I knew the pastor and asked if we could just volunteer as part of the church. He agreed and we began to work with the youth there. And one day, probably after about four months, the minister said to me, I've just been speaking to some people down the street. Uh, there are a couple who I knew who were in this church. And they said, we want to give the church $10,000 so that they can pay David for a year. I was overwhelmed. Here were people that didn't know me all that well. Here was I who was unsure and not visionary and not strong, and yet they wanted to put money so the church would pay me and have a role in the church. Overwhelmed with gratitude, their names were Ray and Elston. They still stand out clearly in my mind. Gratitude to that elderly couple, but also in awe of God's faithful provision and his affirmation of me. God's faithfulness to the promise in Scripture does not depend upon me, but on who he is. Please remember, the book of Joshua is not about Joshua. It's about God. And I want to say three things this morning that we can learn about God and his promises. The first one is the, the encouragement of God's presence. While Joshua to lead the people, he was not alone. We read in verses 5 to 9, uh, God said, As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or, nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Haven't I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Interesting, God had said to Moses when confronting Pharaoh, I will be with you. And now these same words are spoken to Joshua. It was because of the promise that God would never leave or forsake Joshua that God com command him to be strong and courageous. 
Thanks, Catherine, for the talk this morning. That was really helpful for me, for all of us. God still promises to be with us today. I read of a native tribe, uh, Native Americans, who had a unique practice for training young men. On a boy's 13th birthday, he was placed in a forest to spend the night alone. Until then, he'd never been away from his family or from the tribe. But this night, he was blindfolded, taken into the forest. And when the blindfolded was removed, he was alone all night. A rite of passage. I imagine every time a twig snapped in the darkness, he visualised maybe a bear that was there, sizing him up. Or if an animal howled, he pictured a wolf ready to pounce. I can't imagine the fear that there would have been. Terrifying. Alone. At dawn, as the light came, the boy saw trees and began to see an outline of a path. And astonished, he saw a man standing there, bow and arrow in hand. It was the boy's father. He'd been there all night, watching over, protecting. Even though the boy didn't know and couldn't see, he was not alone. God said to Joshua, Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Interesting, look, Jesus to whom the Old Testament points, said similarly to his followers, speaking about their mission, surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. God's promises and the assurance of God's word. I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, it was not uncommon for this chapter, chapter 1, and specifically some verses in that, to often be quoted or to be written or to be given when someone was starting a new venture. Do not be afraid. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear. Verse 9 says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. They're so inspiring words. And yet we can take them out of context. For they were not speaking to us. They were spoken to Joshua. They were spoken to Joshua at a particular point in history as he was about to leave the Israelites. Unlike Jesus, to whom the Old Testament points, the Old Testament does not point to us. And yet these promises do apply to us if we obey the commands associated with it. 
In verses 6, we read, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. The grounds for Joshua to be strong and courageous was by being obedient to God's word. And it's the same for us. Constant, careful, absorbing a scripture leads to the assurance of God's promises and obedience to his commands. And yet, if you're like me, I can like the security of the promise, but I don't particularly like the demands of the command. But in fact, it reveals a lack of trust. It reveals a lack of integrity. Because I'm happy to say, I like one set of God's words and I'll trust in that. But there's another set of God's words that I won't like, that I won't do. Without the willingness to obey, we would never really experience God's joy, nor will we never really grow. In fact, to not at least desire obedience shows that we're not God's people. said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. I don't know much about ocean life, but I do read that from time to time, lobsters must discard their shell if they want to grow. The shell is important for lobster to protect them from danger, yet as they grow, the old shell becomes restrictive. And if they don't shed the shell, it actually becomes something that imprisons them and eventually becomes their coffin. But the tricky part for the lobster is the period between the old shed being, shell being shed and the new shell being formed. During that vulnerable period, currents can cartwheel the lobster around here and there from coral to kelp, susceptible to be eaten by fish or other predators. And yet without that process, there is no growth. To enjoy the certainty of God's promises, we need to be willing to pay the cost of being obedient, of being vulnerable to being trusting God and what he says, even though we feel so unprepared. And the third thing I want to say is about the unity of God's people. Uh, if we were to look back to Numbers, which is another book, one of the five books beforehand, the book of Numbers, chapter 32, we will find that the tribes of Reuben and Gad and half of Manasseh saw the land before crossing the Jordan River, and it was a land that was suitable for livestock. And they asked Moses if they could settle there but Moses was concerned that allowing them to do that would cause disunity for not all the people will cross together and not all the people would fight to take the land. 
and therefore the danger of rebellion. He agreed, providing the men crossed over and helped fight to take the land, and then they could return. God commanded Joshua in verse 2, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them. And Joshua in turn gave the command in verse 10, get your provisions ready. Three days from now you will cross the Jordan River here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. As God encouraged Joshua to be strong and courageous, so the people in turn encouraged Joshua to be strong and courageous. And God told Joshua to obey his word, so the people in turn said that they would obey Joshua and do what he told them. In verses 16 to 18, Then they answered Joshua, Whatever you have commanded us, we will do, and wherever you will send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it, whatever you may command them will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. It seems a great start. God promising to be with Joshua, be strong and courageous. Now the people are saying, we will obey, we will do what you say, only you be strong and courageous. Israel were made up of 12 tribes at this point in time, all united under one leader. 12 different tribes. You may have heard of a choir called the Choir of Hard Knocks. It was founded in Melbourne. There's a number of choirs similar to that around Sydney and over the world. Founded in 2006 by Dr Jonathan Welch. He brought 47 people together from different backgrounds and life experiences. The criteria for joining the choir was they had to experience homelessness or disadvantaged. 47 people from many different backgrounds different stories, and yet they had one commitment to follow one conductor to create a beautiful sound. A beautiful story. And in 2009 there was a split as different groups were formed around the country and some people in the glare of the spotlight felt they were missing out. And so there was fragmentation. The 12 groups, the 12 tribes of Israel would move into the land. Yet it won't take very long. In fact, when we get to the next book, the book of Judges, we'll document the downward spiral of Israel's history. The promises of land and nation and blessing would eventually create a crisis of faith for some 500 years' time as the very land that God has promised, God's people are taken out of. They are exiled out of that land. Where is God? 
and indeed the people are decimated to just a remnant. And yet these three promises, land, nation and blessing, find their ultimate fulfilment in Jesus. As Joshua was to lead God's people in the land of rest and inheritance, so we find that Jesus offers that through his death, he brings rest from sin and judgment and death and the inheritance of being brought into God's family. God is faithful and he calls us to trust in his promises and to obey his commands. Joshua was a reluctant leader. Sometimes when I go through difficult times, or when I'm facing difficult times, I want to be on the other side. I like the difficult to be taken away, actually. But I like to be on the other side to know that it's okay but I'm not on the other side. I'm at the start and it's scary and it's fearful. You may be at that point now, facing something that's so huge and you think, where is God? It seems as though he doesn't care. He doesn't seem to answer my prayers. I guess I want to encourage you from the book of Joshua. Remember, the book of Joshua is not about Joshua. It's about God. God is faithful to his promises. So wherever you are at the moment, whether it feels like it or not, whether it feels that God is close or far away, I want to encourage you that God is faithful. He is faithful in the midst of your circumstances. You can trust in his promises, even though it's hard to see them. And even though you've been waiting for years and years and years, God remains faithful. But he calls us to trust. Can I pray? Now, Father, we appreciate we can't walk in another person's shoes. We don't know what it's like to be another person and what they feel and what they think and the way they process. We do thank you you are not like us, that you do know. We thank you for the Lord Jesus knowing how sinful we are and yet went to the cross, faithful to you. We do thank you that you keep your promises and the sense of the security of land and being a nation and being blessed are met in him. And yet we acknowledge our humanity and our frailty and our disobedience and our lack of trust and our mistrust. 
Thank you for journeying with us. We do thank you for your word that reminds us that the scriptures are really about you and that you are faithful. And we thank you for the gift of your spirit who does promise that he will never leave nor forsake us. Would you please encourage us with who you are and that you do keep your promises. We, we confess we like to see the results. We like to be delivered from situations. Help us in the midst of those to keep looking to you and trusting in you and finding our fulfilment in Christ, we pray. Amen.